Welcome back, everybody, to So Many Screens, a pop culture podcast brought to you by Washed Media. I'm your host, J.R. Hitty, dialing in from San Francisco, California, and joining me on a hot Sunday afternoon, Pete Davidson's ex-girlfriend's best friend, Tat Pat. How are we doing today? <laughs> I'm good. I love that introduction. <laughs> For the listeners who might not know, tell us the story. So, obviously, Pete Davidson, we're talking today about the Tina Staten Island as well as a couple other pieces of pop culture content, but Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande dated for a short period of time, and you had a pretty viral moment with Ariana Grande, didn't you? I can't believe this was over a year ago, but I she had just come out with her album and her song, Break Up With Your Boyfriend Because I'm Bored, so everyone on Twitter was like making these jokes, like, break up with your boyfriend, blah, 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 so... I made like a reference to Mean Girls and said like break up with your boyfriend because he's cheating on you every Wednesday in the auditorium like something like that I forget what the uh-huh. line was but she quote tweeted it it like it took off it got like almost like I want to say two hundred and seventy five thousand wow. likes and she yeah she quote tweeted it and said v good and of course like I went absolutely <laughs> crazy I pr- I like took a screenshot of the tweet printed it out had it framed that's perfect. Yeah, it was the first time I ever went viral, so it was huge. For little Twitter warriors like you and I, little viral moments like that, that's what keeps us coming back every day, right? Keeps us coming to the trenches, <laughs> banging out these tweets. Seriously. In the hope of these little moments. I mean, you're best friends with Ariana Grande, essentially. I mean, you're closer friends than certainly anyone else listening to the podcast <laughs> is. Essentially, and I totally forgot, too, that my younger brother had met Pete Davidson one wow. time, too. They spoke. Yes, he was in his school project. Worlds colliding. This is incredible. I know. So as mentioned, the rundown for today, Cat Pat and I are going to spend the majority of this episode talking about the newest release by Judd Apatow, The Teen of Staten Island, now available on demand on, I think, every on-demand platform for everyone, everywhere. We're going to also talk about some recommendations of some TV shows we've been watching, and then we're going to dip into a listener mailbag. We asked you guys last week to send us some DMs, pop culture, TV, music and movie related, and we have a good one that we're looking forward to answering at the end of this episode. Cat Pat, we checked out the Tina Staten Island. Before we dive in, what were your thoughts? Okay. First thought, 20 bucks, a little <laughs> steep. Uh, not everyone, you know, we our stimulus checks are long gone, so 20 bucks, a little steep for an at-home rental. But I'd say it's worth it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We were talking about this offline, but $20 is the most I've ever paid for anything on, on demand. But it's funny because you go to a natural movie theater, an AMC or, or whatever, and you plop down sometimes nearly $20 a ticket, plus you get the popcorn, you pay for the party, it ends up being a $75 evening. And this was just me and my wife on the top. Ta- we made popcorn on the stove. We like drank some of our own booze. It was great. And it only cost me $20. What is that disconnect where I'm just sitting there gnawing my teeth over the $20 price point. It was the same experience, just a little bit more comfortable because it was in my home. I know. I said the same thing to my parents. I was like, you guys should watch it. And they're like, how much? I was like, it's 20 bucks. And I, I was I considered giving them my Amazon login, but I was like, eh, I don't really want them to see like all the stupid shit I've been buying last like three months. Yeah, those prime deals have been going off during the uh, quarantine, 100%. <laughs> Seriously. But I, I honestly can say I think it was worth 20 bucks. So really quick plot summary for those who have been living under a rock. The Tina Staten Island, it's an American comedy drama. It's directed by Judd Apatow, and it's a screenplay that Apatow and Pete Davidson wrote. It stars Pete Davidson, Marissa Tomei, Bill Burr, one of my personal favorite stand-up comedians, Maude Apatow, and Steve Buscemi. 
and it follows the life of a young man who must get it together after his mom starts dating a new guy who is also a firefighter like his dad who died in a fire. The film has been called a semi-biographical take on Pete Davidson's life, who famously lost his firefighter father during the September 11th attacks, and has very publicly battled bouts of depression and manicness. So, this movie was intended to be theatrically released, but it was released digitally just last week, on June 12th, by Universal Pictures. Caphat, I'm curious. Someone who's so pop-culturally inclined as you are, what are your overall thoughts on Pete Davidson as, like, the person-slash-cultural figure? As an actor, like, I wasn't very sold on him till I watched the movie the other night. Like, I love him on SNL, and I think he's hilarious. He's pretty, I don't know if the raunchy is the right word, but he just says what other people would never say out loud. Uh, you know, he just kind of, like, pokes at himself for having a dead dad, which, you know, some would find a little tasteless. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Something about him, like kind of have a crush on him and I think like all the other girls do too I don't I don't know what it is because he's kind of not attractive but he is at the same time you know what I'm saying yeah no I uh, you know as a married straight man I know exactly what you're saying though like I saw some tweet that was like I didn't expect to fall in love with Pete Davidson this weekend it's just he's got this undeniable charisma about him and maybe it's the pain he experienced at a young age maybe it's just the fact that he kind of has his shields down he just feels very relatable and like i just want to hang out with the guy do you think his tattoos in the movie are those real yeah so this is something that my wife first question she posed he plays a tattoo artist named scott in the movie which is an homage to his father scott davidson who passed away in the 9-11 fires and it's basically about how he he doesn't want to leave staten island he wants to become a tattoo artist and like kind of live like a lazy fuckboy lifestyle he plays it to perfection. It seems like something that he went through. And, you know, they say it's autobiographical, so maybe this was a small insight into the real life of Pete Davidson before he became this incredible, you know, pop culture figure. I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't say that he's an incredible actor, but I would say that he's magnetic and charming. And every time he was on the screen, I couldn't look away from him. Yeah, well, I was going to ask about the tattoos because let me just say, some of them are (laughs) fucking horrible. I I honestly think most of them are horrible. Um, So I was wondering if those were temporary. That's unfortunate that they're not. Um, But yeah, no, I really liked him in this movie. Uh, It was obviously, you know, intended to be funny in the beginning. uh, But it got me in my feels towards the end. Yeah, it plays around with these ideas of growing up and becoming independent and like kind of leaving the nest which is what he's struggles with the entire movie marissa tomei plays his mom huge crush on marissa tomei my wife is getting annoyed at how much i was commenting on how good she looked <laughs> in every scene but she's essentially like get out of my house maude apatow who we've talked about before on this podcast plays his sister she's going off to college and his ideal is just to stay living in his mom's house for the rest of his life i want to talk about some of the characters we see in this we got steve buscemi we got maude apatow Bill Burr plays, like, the love interest of Marissa Tomei. He plays Dave, the firefighter who ends up kind of, like, stealing Marissa Tomei's heart. Did you know who Bill Burr was before you watched this movie? Yeah, you mentioned he was in this movie. And I, like, know the name, but I didn't know what exactly he looked like. And then, like, about, I don't know, halfway through the first scene where he's in, I was like, oh, that must be Bill Burr. So maybe (laughs) I'm an idiot. But I didn't really know what he looked like. (laughs) So Bill Burr... 
Bill Burr is, like, considered the comics comic. He's the guy that every stand-up comedian wants to model their humor after, their point of view. He, like, weirdly made this, like, signature move popular when he's doing stand-up. He does this thing where he holds the top of the mic stand and kind of leans on it and talks to you as if he's talking to you, like, at at a bar or something. It's so casual and so subtle, but it's this thing that I've had to fucking suffer through every hat stand-up comedian I've ever come encountered with for the last 10 years do and I'm like you're just doing Bill Burr you're doing that thing that Bill Burr does so I was great to see him in this kind of like bigger role where he's where he's acting and playing like a, a guy who's been divorced and down on his luck firefighter who's just trying to like battle it out with this Pete Davidson character for his mom's affection um I got a story about Bill Burr I want I want to hold on to it though does this movie make you want to go visit Staten Island? Any chance? <laughs> so I've never been to Staten Island. It doesn't particularly. Have you been to Staten Island? I would assume so. Yes. Well, do you know when they're at the, the ball game in the movie? The Yankees. The Staten Island Yankees. Yes. When I worked at a brewery, I had to go do a IPA and taco fest at that stadium. <laughs> it was on the field, and I was by myself, like the only girl from the brewery. Oh, and of God. course, like, just picture your typical Staten Island bro. He's like, <laughs> hey, yo, you got, a, you got a boyfriend? And I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, I bet I could kick his ass. <laughs> oh, my God. And it, uh, just, like, picture the rattiest group of, like, Staten Island meatheads you could. It, that, it was that times, like, 500. So, yes, I have been to Staten yeah, Island. Sounds like, going yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like you, yeah, you weren't a fan. So no. these, No, no. <laughs> much like the typical Judd Apatow movie, I thought, I thought the thing of Staten Island was maybe 20 minutes too long. Yes. I like that they kind of like meander and follow the plots of some of these extra characters, but we didn't need this whole plot line of like his friends trying to rob a pharmacy and trying to rope him in on that. Like we kind of saw where that one was going. I mean, that plot line was a little unnecessary. Yeah. Especially cause like he wasn't super, super involved in that robbery anyway. Yeah. He just kind of ran away. Um, but have you ever seen Hannah Montana? <laughs> no, this is where we'll show our age a little bit here, but uh, no, I haven't. I mean, I know what Hannah Montana is, but all right. Okay. Educate me. There's this little, there's this character on the show named Rico, and he was like this annoying little guy who like had a huge crush on Hannah Montana. And okay. Rico plays the short friend, Igor. That is... Yeah, and they look just just Google Rico Han Montana after this, and you'll see what he looks like, and it's amazing. I love that his name is Rico and Hannah Montana, and they went with Igor for King of Staten Island. You just kind of switched the letters around. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's why I ask. But um, I mean, yeah, I I liked his semi-love interest chick she seemed like pretty authentic staten island the the love interest of scott felt like that relationship that you have at one point where you you don't want to make it official you don't want to commit but you guys are still fooling around one of you wants more than the other person towards the end he kind of comes full circle on that not to give anything away but like i don't know i I, it felt like a very authentic down-to-earth relationship that like a 23 year old would be having yeah and i love that she went on a date to make him jealous. So I was like, oh, every every girl's done that before. Gone on a date, like, publicly. She goes to the restaurant where he's, like, uh, bussing tables, essentially, to make him jealous. And Pete Davidson, who's stoned out of his mind most of this movie, just, like, couldn't give a shit. <laughs> All 
All right, before we move on to our next segment, I want to tell this quick Bill Burr story because I think it's relevant. So Bill Burr is one of these comics who he'll perform at like a theater or even like a small stadium. And after the show, he will post up out front and shake anyone's hand that wants to shake his hand, talk to whoever wants to talk to him, sign anything, take any photos that anybody wants. And it's always been considered like one of the cooler things about the guy. It makes him very relatable, very approachable. And again, kind of this like comics comic. So I've seen Bill Burr live probably five or six times. The first time I saw him was at a very, very small theater show in Chicago, probably in 2011, before he became this like world famous stand-up comedian. And I saw him at the time with like my college girlfriend, and I remember thinking to myself then, I want to do that. And in a weird way, Bill Burr was one of my small inspirations for getting into stand-up comedy. So just two years ago, he was performing at a much bigger venue up here in Santa Rosa in Northern California. And so I went with my now wife, and we saw the show. And afterwards, there was a line of people waiting till I'd shake his hand. And I was like, you know what? I've idolized this guy for so long. He's one of the reasons I went into stand-up comedy. I want to go shake his hand. I just had to say thank you. It's just one of these things I want to do it, right? The line wasn't that long, actually. It was probably like 12, 20 people deep, and it moved pretty fast, and I'm standing there with my wife, and I go up to him, and I say, Bill, great show. My name's John. I just want to let you know I saw you in a show back in 2011 in Chicago at this tiny theater with this guy, your opener, and he's like, oh, holy shit, dude. That was, that was so long ago. I can't believe that. And I'm like, I just wanted to say thank you. You were a big inspiration for me. I'm a stand-up comic myself. And he's like, oh, great. That's awesome, dude. Congratulations, you know. Keep, keep doing your shit. I hope to hope cross paths with you. And I'm like, oh, thank I'm like literally almost tearing up, right? I'm like, oh, thank you so much. This is, uh, oh, he like signs a poster for me. I got it framed in my apartment. I'm so happy. I'm walking away. I'm literally kind of like overcome cat pad. I'm like, that was a big moment for me, right? I had to kind of thank one of my idols for his inspiration, and he was nothing but cool as shit to me. That's so cute. And my wife says to me, she goes, why didn't you introduce me? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh. he doesn't know. What? I was like, and I was just like, come on. I was like, really? Like, he cares? And this, oh, and this is my wife. Like, it just, she, she I, I, in a way, I get it. You know, she felt a little awkward standing there. <laughs> But at the other time, I said to her, I, was like, I had like 15 seconds with the guy. You also wanted me to shoehorn in, like, and this is my wife? Like, I don't know. I was like, way to kick a man when he's at his at the top of the mountain. Like, who cares? That That is like the most typical wife. Like, yep. oh my gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs> but I'm glad to hear he was nice because there's nothing worse than hearing a story where like you meet your hero and they just suck. Yeah. Last two questions before we wrap up Tina Staten Island. And I recommend anyone listening, go watch this movie. Go watch this movie. Let's talk about it over the next couple of weeks. Send us some questions, any thoughts you might have, at so many screens on Instagram and Twitter. First question, Tapat. Is Pete Davidson a good actor? I, okay. I will say he's a good actor. But after what I watched, after what I watched this week, I don't want to spoil anything yet. My bar is very high. So I, mm, I'm gonna say he's a good actor. Interesting. I'm okay. just gonna say it. What do you think? I think he's, I think he's an okay actor. I wouldn't say it's interesting as you hear a lot when it comes to Hollywood about people are movie stars and people are good actors, and there's a difference. I think he leans more towards the movie star area, where there's at, at the top of the show we were talking about. There's just something about him you can't take your eyes off of him. That's a movie star quality. It's like Brad Pitt. No matter what, when Brad Pitt's on the screen, I know. Pete Davidson, Brad Pitt, what a weird comparison. <laughs> but every time Brad Pitt's on the screen, you're like, that's a fucking movie star. Right. The flip side of that is like a good actor, like a Mark Ruffalo. 
Mark Ruffalo can kind of inhabit any character that he uh, takes on. He can change, he can morph, he can like... He's played so many different people that he's kind of a chameleon. That's a good actor. I don't think Pete Davidson can play anyone but Pete Davidson, but I think Pete Davidson is a movie star quality actor. Does that make sense? That's Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to follow up with. Like, he's a good actor in this role, I think, because like this is essentially based off of his life. Yeah. But if he were playing, like, I don't know, like a businessman on yeah. Wall Street, no, I don't think he could really do that. Um, but, I mean, since he's playing a basically a fictionalized version of himself, he, he should be good at doing that role. 100%. Yeah, he's not going to be, like, a World War II general in any upcoming, like, war movies that we have. The tattoos just aren't going to work. <laughs> no, and, like, you know, you're not going to find him in a Marvel movie. Nope. Uh, but I think this is this was, like, the perfect fit for him. 100%. So, last question. Is King of Staten Island a good movie? I say absolutely. It was... It exceeded my expectations. I was a little worried about the trailer. It looked like I had some corny moments. Uh-huh. Um, but... It, it honestly did exceed my expectations, and that says a lot because, you know, I set the bar high. <laughs> yeah, this is so many screens. You're a pop culture connoisseur, Tap Pad. Exactly. If you could give it a letter grade, what would you give it? Ooh, I okay. It's definitely not an A plus. Okay. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and give it an A. Yeah. I would watch it again, and then I think is pretty important. Uh, what about you? A minus B plus, definitely. It's like the most entertaining thing that's been released in months. So that probably is working in its favor. If it was like kind of just another theatrical release that was released alongside all these other movies that were supposed to come out this summer, the Top Gun movie, like it might be a little lower, but since it was that's all we kind of had for June, I loved it. A minus. Yeah, good point. If it came out in theater, I might feel a little differently. But definitely one of the more entertaining new movies I've seen in a while. After the break, guys, we will move on to our recommendations. Every week, me and Tap Pat are going to give our recommendations for new things that we are watching. So stay tuned, and we will check back in with you in a couple minutes. All right, we're back with recommendations. Cat Pack, give me your recommendation for this week, June 15th. Okay, my recommendation is very, very, very dark. <laughs> I I just, like, have an obsession with, like, any television show that's, like, extremely dark and depressing. Love it. And this show takes the cake. It is called I Know This Much Is True on HBO. It's starring... Mark Ruffalo, who we were literally just talking about. Um, It's a limited series, and it follows Dominic Birdsey as he struggles to care for his twin brother, Thomas, while discovering the truth about his own family history. It's a mini-series, so there's the, the season finale is tonight, actually. Have, have you heard of this? So I have. This is where Mark Ruffalo is playing, like, the overweight twin, and then he's playing the, the two twin roles, and he's, like, kind of heavy set as one of the twins, and then not heavy for the other twin right that's yes. basically all i know about it also is it is it ruffalo or ruffalo because i've heard both oh that's a good question we should ask him no it's it's probably <laughs> i've heard it i've heard ruffalo everywhere i i've always been team ruffalo okay i'm, I'm gonna say ruffalo from now on so please excuse me where i said ruffalo <laughs> so yes he plays two twin brothers one is a, schi- a paranoid schizophrenic um that's thomas and he actually gained 30 pounds to play thomas wow. and then he lost 
20 pounds to play the other brother, Dominic. Uh, it's, it's actually insane when you're watching the show and you realize, like, holy shit, he was filming this, like, by himself. He wasn't, he didn't have the other twin to interact with. So it's just absolutely crazy when you, like, really think about it. And if he is not nominated for any awards, I will be shocked. It's, it's some of the best acting I've ever seen on TV. I will go out on a limb and say this is one of the best television shows I've ever seen in wow. my entire life. Like, the story is amazing. I mean, again, it's so dark. If you, like, are easily triggered by mental health things on TV, uh, this is not going to be the show for you. But it's just incredible. Like, I can't say enough good things about it. It's amazingly dark, heartbreaking. I, I text my parents. I'm like, this is so fucking sad. Like, I can't believe there's only six episodes and I'm like a mess over it. it. It's so good. That harkens back to that good actor thing. Is that is an incredible feat for him to basically, I, I think from what you explained to me, like he shot his stinny side of the show first and then deigned a bunch of pounds and then like returned a month later and just shot the other side of his performance. Like that's an incredible discipline and like talent to do that. That's why Mark Ruffalo is a good actor versus a movie star. Yeah. And I totally forgot to mention the reason why I found out about this show in the first place is because they filmed it in Poughkeepsie, which is in upstate New York. And that's where, yeah. So that's where my dad is from and my aunt and uncle and cousins live. And they were looking for extras to be on the show. So my aunt and cousin, uh, they like spent the day over at, um, I believe it was Vassar College where they shot it, a lot of it. Um, they were extras. My aunt's scene got cut. Oh, but there's bummer. one, yeah, there's a scene in the fourth episode where they're watching the draft. It's a flashback. Um, and right in the front of the shot, at, at sitting at the bar is my cousin, just like chilling, smoking a cigarette. And he has like the longest, like five second scene I've ever seen for an extra. And I was like, holy shit. That's like, so cool. What? I know. My parents, like, I don't, it's so weird. My parents, like, love being extras. Like, my <gasps> aunt and uncle have done it a bunch of times. Like, my dad was in succession. Wow. So random. Has anyone, did your cousin or has your dad ever gotten a speaking role as an extra? I don't think so. Probably not. There's a little known trick. It's not little known outside of Hollywood. Essentially, the rule is, as a paid extra... You just get like a day rate. Your cousin, your dad probably right. get like a hundred bucks and then they get like access to uh, craft services. So they get paid and they get like a daily wage. However, if you did a speaking line in something that makes it to air, so a TV show, a movie, a special, a limited series, whatever, suddenly you are eligible for Screen Actors Guild Insurance. It's basically like one of the harder insurance groups to get into. It's not a great insurance plan, but it essentially means that you can work in Hollywood anywhere. That's sweet. So what you have, people who are signed on to movies to be extras, and they will say things when they're not supposed to say them, and they will throw in lines when they're not supposed to say anything, because if their line makes it to air then suddenly they can get this insurance card, which is essentially like having a black card in Hollywood in terms of like booking Hollywood type jobs. It's a really interesting trick and like everyone in Hollywood's aware of it. So like directors are really quick to like cut that shit out if an extra starts like throwing lines in or saying stuff. But like it's, it's, there's some very well-known stories of people like basically their first big payday or their first break into the Hollywood like entertainment machine is, oh, I was an extra on the show and I ad-libbed a line and the director liked it, kept it in. And that's how I got my insurance paid for. It's really 
an incredible thing. So tell your dad, tell your cousin, <laughs> the next time they're an extra, just start talking <laughs> when you're not supposed to. Seriously. Oh, yeah. That that would go over well. D- did you watch Succession, the whole thing? Yeah, all the way through. D- do you remember where they had the scenes at the amusement park? Oh, yeah. That's where my dad was, because they filmed it in upstate New York. They filmed, um, where was the scene? I don't remember. There's one scene where they filmed it in Albany, mm-hmm. and then they filmed the amusement park scene up north, so like around Saratoga Springs, a little more north of that, and yeah, my dad, he was an extra in it. His car's in one scene too, and they paid him like 350 bucks just yeah. to use his car in a shot. I was like, damn, that's easy money. Yeah, I mean, I can't say enough good things about this show. It's it's honestly amazing. Um, yeah, it follows, you know, the schizophrenic brother, Dominic, navigating the world. They don't have a mother. She passed away. Um, there's a few flashback scenes. You can kind of see, like, where the brother, Thomas, like, s- started showing his mental illness. Uh-huh. So... Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's definitely a show where you need to immediately watch something happy after because <laughs> I, I've been going to bed after watching oh, the, sh- the episodes, and my parents were like, how are you doing that? Like, it is so gut-wrenching that we need to watch, like, episodes of The Office after just to, you know, feel okay to go to sleep. Yeah. But I'm, I'm so excited for the season finale. I don't know how they're going to wrap it up, but if you're looking for something that's, like, amazing acting, uh, you know, dark plot a little bit of mental i know not a little bit a lot of mental illness in there (laughs) highly recommend it's not funny really at all uh but great show sounds like a fun hang cat pat but it does i've I've heard great things (laughs) looking forward to hearing what you thought about the show as a whole after you watch the finale tonight we'll definitely check back in with that on next week's episode of so many screens Okay, my recommendation this week is a show on Hulu. It's called Rami. Rami is an American, it's a comedy drama series. It premiered in April of 2019. It stars comedian Rami Youssef as the title character. It's basically the story of a young Muslim American navigating his faith, sexuality, and like meaning of life in like the grit and grime of New York City. So Rami Youssef is a comedian from New Jersey, you're not to the woods, who is oh. a devout Muslim who basically like is taking Hollywood by storm. He was nominated for a Golden Globe Award for Best Actor in, te- in a television series or musical for the first season of the show, and he won the award at the 77th Golden Globe Awards in 2020. The show was renewed for season two, and Mahershala Ali joined the cast. A two-time Academy Award winner and devout Muslim himself, Mahershala Ali, for season two. It's really interesting because this is probably the first authentic look or or authentic portrayal you have of American Muslims in pop culture. I mean, most Western depictions are Muslims are the bad guys. They're the terrorists. And he does a really good job of blending comedy, introspection, faith, a little bit of like abstract realism. It's a really like fun hang. It deals with these issues of like prejudice and faith and racism but not in a heavy-handed way where you watch it and you're like i got it i got it jesus quit beating me over the head with it he he views it from a very funny point of view there's an episode in early on in season one i think episode four where he's a young like you know probably 13 14 year old boy and 9 11 happens and you know 9 11 for the muslim community as you can imagine it's this this horribly tragic event and it's an intersection of people's points of view and relationships with Muslims in America. And that's the day that he discovered how to jerk off. So it was kind of a great day for him. 
my god <laughs> it's it's so funny and he's he's such a charming dude he's got this very earnest face these bright eyes but he lives this kind of like this is the second time i'm using this word in this sweet's episode of so many screens he lives kind of this like grimy fuckboy new york like lifestyle and it's just such an interesting uh point of view every new episode i watch i'm like this is such a different way to do tv and i can't get enough of it so check that out if you're looking for something a little bit lighter then Cat Pat's recommendation, check out Rami. It's a fun hang. He's a great actor, and uh, uh, you won't be disappointed. I was not expecting you to say that that was the first time he learned to jerk off. That was literally the last thing I expected you to say. That's what the show does to you. It, like, it's the last thing you would have expected in that episode, and it just it makes it really fun. Every week, guys, we'll continue making our recommendations. If you guys have any recommendations for us, make sure you DM the both of us on Twitter, on Instagram. I am at JR Will Do It. I'm at the real Cat Pat. And remember to be nice to Cat Pat in the DMs, guys. If you guys want to be dicks to me, go right ahead. <laughs> but, like, come on. It's 2020. <laughs> yeah, no more OnlyFans jokes. I'm sick of those. I mean, <laughs> great way to make money during quarantine. Not you, but anybody. I'm not going to knock anybody using OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take one more quick break, guys, and then we're going to answer a listener DM. Talk to you guys in a few minutes. Okay, we're back. We're doing listener DMs. We'll try to do these every week, maybe every other week. We got this DM from one of our many, so many streams listeners. If you have a DM that you'd like to send us with any pop culture-related questions, make sure to slide into those DMs at so many streams on Instagram and Twitter. Listener Caitlin wants to know, Cat Pat, JR, I'm a big fan of the pod. Thank you for helping me navigate this crowded world of pop culture. I'm rocking a mean hangover this Sunday morning, and I was wondering... What's your go-to movie to watch when you're hungover? Caitlin, thank you for the question. This is a fantastic first listener DM question. Is it Sunday for us right now? We're recording this on a Sunday. I'm a little hungover. Some friends just bought a house. We went over. We celebrated. I drank too much champagne. I've got my, I've got like two or three options, but Cat Pat, I'm curious to hear what Cat Pat watches when she's rocking a hangover. Okay. Well, let me start off with one that's actually not a movie. It's a show. But I recently started rewatching the show, and I started rewatching, of course, on a day when I actually was hungover. Perfect. And it was so perfect. And it's Pen Fifteen on Hulu. Do you know the show? I don't. I mean, I've seen it's. It's an animated show, right? No, it's not. Just no, <laughs> no, that's um, yeah, no, it's uh, there's no, it's not two animated. girls. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you might be thinking of Big Mouth, but I don't actually know. No, that 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 was actually what I was thinking of. So you 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 read my mind. I was thinking of Big Mouth. We're we're, we're figuring out this co-hosting thing pretty well. Yeah, it seems that way. Um, Pen Fifteen is about these two girls who start seventh grade. But the hilarious thing is that the two main characters are played by women in their like thirties. They've got to be like I don't know. 35 uh, but the rest of the cast is like actually seventh graders and it's i want to say it takes place in 2000 maybe 2002 but it's just so fucking funny the way that they like portray the girls like with crushes on these 12 year old boys and they'll start to play like dreamy music when the boys like come on screen and they're like drooling over wow. him and then you remember that they're like 35 and these <laughs> boys are probably 12 it's honestly one of the funniest shows i've ever seen and each episode i want to say is only like a half hour so it's very digestible perfect so if you're yeah i mean it's honestly perfect hangover television it it has me actually laughing out loud if you were uh, a girl 
at any point in seventh grade in the in the early in the early uh two thousands, it's for you. It or if, even if you or, weren't a girl in the early 2000s. <laughs> no, that's true. But, like, some of the things they talk about that are, like, you know, having crushes on, like, the Backstreet Boys and, like, buying their first bra. Uh, and the, there's one episode where, like, a girl wears a thong for the first time and everyone's like, oh, my God, Maya's wearing a thong. Like, it's, oh, my God, it's just so, it's so nostalgic, but it's so perfect. What a perfect so, time capsule. Yeah, definitely highly recommend that if you haven't Love seen it. it. So I'm going to go with my hangover movie recommendation. Number one, any Marvel movie. Marvel movies are such an easy hang. They're colorful, action-packed. The stakes aren't really that high. As we know, like not many people actually die in Marvel movies. They're always just kind of building towards the big Marvel movies at the end of like the decade. I don't know. There's there's certainly some bad ones, but like there's some pretty decent comedy in some of the later uh, Marvel movies. I'm talking like late Captain America. All the Ant Man movies are great, but the number one Marvel movie that I'll recommend that should be on Netflix currently. I know it's on Disney Plus. Is Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok was directed and written by Taika Waititi. He is the director writer blowing up right now. He created Jojo Rabbit the movie. Did you see Jojo Rabbit last year? Ugh. I watched it during quarantine. Love it. So just picture that type of absurdist humor, but picture it in outer space with Thor, the God of Thunder, and Jeff Goldblum as, like, the bad guy. It's it's <laughs> essentially like you took mushrooms and created a superhero movie, and it's just kind of the perfect, funny, action pat hang. Thor Ragnarok's my number one, but really any Marvel movie will work well when you have a hangover. <laughs> I, I watched all the Marvel movies at the beginning of quarantine, which nice. now seems like what was a year ago. Jesus, yeah. I, I mean, it was insane. I can't. We watched all twenty three of them in like two weeks. So you remember Thor Ragnarok? That was like one of the best ones, in my opinion. Yes, I love that one. I really like Captain Marvel. I just, yeah, she had just had so many good powers. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's a fucking star. <laughs> I know. I mean, she is by far the strongest. Yep. And then, yeah, Ant-Man, we really liked. We're like, wow, why is Ant-Man so underrated? No one talks about Ant-Man. Everyone in San Francisco talks about it because it's filmed here. So it's like oh, they just got right. done filming like the third one in, in the Bay Area or something like that. What's your next recommendation for when you're hungover? So this is a movie I just saw for the first time, which is shocking. Mm-hmm. And it's the movie Pretty Woman. <laughs> I love that movie. I mean, I literally just watched it for the uh-huh. first time last week. And I was like, how have I never seen this movie? Like, I'm a 27-year-old girl. It's, yeah. I think, I think everyone on the planet has seen Pretty Woman besides me. One of my favorite things in a chick flick is the shopping montage. And I was saying, I was oh, like... Oh, it's got an all-timer. Yeah. And <laughs> is anything better than a shopping montage in a movie? Like, there's one in Clueless... Uh, I want to say there's one in Legally Blonde. I could be wrong. But the one in Pretty Woman mm, takes the cake. I love it. That's a good idea for like a future episode. We can do a top five montages. You can do like a shopping montage. And I can do like a getting the Dane together montage. You know, like mm. Pretty Woman, all-time shopping montage, all-time movie. It's been 10 plus years since I've seen it. So I'm probably as familiar with it as you are. But yeah, nothing better than watching Julia Roberts shopping on Rodeo Drive, Rodeo Drive while you're sitting on the couch in like an oversized sweatshirt and a glass of ice water, dr- eating a hamburger and drinking a Daterade. Uh, no- nothing makes you feel like a, like more of a, of a pretty woman, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was perfect. And I kept just like saying, I was like, I cannot believe this is a real movie. Like the concept is she's a hooker. Like, <laughs> I, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Hooker with a heart of gold. That's like the, an 80s and 90s movie trope that you saw a lot. Pretty Woman just did it the best. 
my recommendation to watch when you're hungover is The Hangover. The 2009 comedy, Zatel Vanantis, Bradley Cooper, Ed Helms, Todd Phillips movie. It's pretty fucking funny. Still holds up. I'd say some of the humor doesn't age very well, but you can kind of watch it with like one eye open, see the funny parts you like. I don't know. There's just something like the colors of Vegas and like the the bits and like all the <laughs> songs that like take place. It's just It's just like a fun hang. Now, let's be honest. Like... There were two other hangover movies that weren't very good, but I just remember thinking in 2009 when I saw this movie, like, this is really, this was right in front of us the entire time. Oh, you have a hangover, you wake up, you don't remember what happened the night before, you gotta piece it all together. That's the simplest plot on the planet. And what's funny is Todd Phillips, the director, knew that, because when he negotiated his deal with, I forgot which studio, I think Warner Brothers did the hangover, they couldn't pay him his like normal quote. Let's say he makes $10 million a movie. So he said, you know what? Don't pay me the full $10 million. Just give me like, I think he asked for 8% of any proceeds that the movie made or any, any oh uh, revenue that the movie made. And the movie made like almost a billion dollars. The dude like basically gambled on himself to make an incredible like world changing movie. And he did it. I think he pocketed something like $80 million for that movie. Do you remember when that movie first came out? And that's like guys, mostly guys, were mm-hmm. only talking in hangover quotes for at least like a full year. It's funny because Zach Galifianakis was like a really well-known stand-up comedian. And he's actually kind of started his career up here in the Bay Area. And he famously like hated that. He hated that like he was now associated with this like bro-y like douchebag quote machine character. You know what I mean? Like it just wasn't I, – I, I know exactly what you're talking about because – that's like the true sign of someone who doesn't have a sense of humor, someone who like overquotes funny movies, in my opinion. Oh my, yeah. I, it was just like someone would be posting a Facebook or a status on Facebook. They'd be like, not at the table, Carlos. I'm like, oh, yeah. Come on. Come on, Terrible. guys. We can do better than this. <laughs> What's your last Hangover movie? So it kind of ties in because Doug from The Hangover is in this movie, Failure to Launch. Justin, which, you know, what's his name? Uh, I just Googled it. Justin Bartha. <laughs> nice. He plays... That was the quittest Google. That was such a quick Google. Holy shit. Well, I, I, I had it open. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Because I was Googling it because I was like, this guy is in something else. And I remember he's also in National Treasure, <laughs> which is uh, a whole different type of movie. By the movie. way, that's another great hangover movie. National Treasure. Holy shit. I can't watch that anymore. Like, I just... I can't with Nicolas Cage's, like, delivery. Okay. Failure to launch... Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, Matthew McConaughey, Zoe Deschanel's in it. Wow. Uh, fabulous movie. Yeah, I f- totally forgot she's in it. Um, but yeah, play. it's about this guy, I want to say he's 35, still living with his parents. Yeah. Uh, doesn't have a girlfriend, can't really get serious. So the family hires Sarah Jessica Parker to get him to leave the nest, finally. <laughs> it's just a classic rom-com. Plot. Uh, very light. Yeah. Yeah, just... And that it's man classic. happens to be the incredibly charming and attractive Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> yeah, and then and then Bradley Cooper's in it too. I t- yeah, oh wow, I totally forgot. Yeah, him and Doug from The Hangover, Justin Bartha, they are the two other best friends. Matthew McConaughey, who also live at home. Uh, so I mean that crew. Uh, I I don't see why any of them could not get a girlfriend. But yeah, I guess what the that's, hell? That's Hollywood. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, classic movie. I feel like I've seen that a million times. Doesn't get old. Perfect for when you're hungover and don't really need to think yep. too much. That's it's perfect. Just great. What if the Matthew McConaughey character, somehow this carries over 
and they are the actual Hanover crew. Like, Failure to Launch is a prequel to Hanover. Maybe Matthew McConaughey plays, like, the the Ed Helms character. Could you imagine him in Vegas? He's just like, huh, that's what happens in Vegas, man. <laughs> He's like, all oh right, gosh. all right, all right. He, he'd be the most <laughs> chill. Like, everyone in the Hanover is just going crazy the whole time because they're trying to find their friend to Ud. No, he could, they could make it work. With McConaughey, Bradley Cooper, and Zach Galifianakis, I think they 100% to make it work. I would love to see that movie. That would be good. Last one for me. The Other Guys. Now, The Other Guys has taken on a life of its own, like on Reddit and on Twitter, as like, you haven't seen The Other Guys? It's so underrated. Cat Pat, have you seen The Other Guys? No, I have not. I'm Googling it right now. Yeah, I've never seen this. So Adam McKay is a filmmaker who is Will Ferrell's creative partner. They created FunnyOrDie.com. Adam McKay famously directed and wrote The Big Short, which won a bunch of Academy Awards. He directed and wrote um, Vice, the uh, Christian Bale movie about our previous vice president. This is like the prequel to that. It is a top comedy starring Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. It's weirdly loosely about like the financial crisis and like pyramid schemes, Bernie Madoff type shit, but it's wrapped around this story of like these two loser cops trying to like save the day. The segments, the bits, the jokes are so nonsensical. It's me and my wife's favorite movie to watch. We can watch it at any time. You can quote it nonstop. The plot lines in it are so, like, ridiculous, Cat Pat. There's a whole plot where Will Ferrell has a wife that he keeps apologizing for being so ugly. He's like, let me apologize if my wife is nothing short of a world-class bitch when you come over for dinner. <laughs> and his wife is played by Ava Mendez, who's, like, absolutely gorgeous. And she's like, oh honey, should I change? He's like, you look kind of shitty. And, like, it's just it's this ridiculous thing where, like, everyone's like, Alan, your wife is so beautiful. And he's like, she's actually just plain. She's very normal-looking. And I, I don't know, that's... It appeals to females, it appeals to males, there's some, like, goofy gun violence while also not taking itself seriously, and it's written by, like, two of the funniest writers of all time in McKay and Farrell. Definitely an under-the-radar recommendation that, that everyone should watch, not even when they're hungover, just when they want something funny to watch. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to watch that next time I'm, like, on the couch crying with a headache and need to throw up. There you go. This was a fun episode of So Many Screens. I don't know, Tap Pat. Like, I felt like we touched on a lot of great things. We talked about the team of Staten Island. We talked about... We I know this must be true. We talked about Rami. We've talked about all these great movies that we can rewatch. Let us know what you guys think. At So Many Screens on Instagram and Twitter. Give us a follow. We've dropped our handles already. We will talk to you guys next Tuesday morning. Every Tuesday from here on out. We're brought to you by Wash Media. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.